the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. May all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, who resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called you, called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. O Father, give us understanding that we might understand these scriptures, and that you may, Lord, with those scriptures, apply them to our hearts and minds and to our wills, and that we may, Lord, do your will and not our own. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus takes care of his church. Now, I have preached on this many years ago, but this is an entirely different message uh, because we can't preach, preach the, the same message to a different congregation. Why is it a different congregation? Is not only because there's some of you there that were not there 12 years ago or even longer, uh, but also because you have been transformed. You have been changed, as the Bible says. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So how does the Lord Jesus take care of his church to get right down to brass tacks? Two ways. First, by working in you, and then by working through you. First, by working in you, in your walk, as it says in verse 10 and 11. The God of all grace who called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you have suffered a while. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice, it is through suffering. It is through trials. The Bible says that we enter the kingdom through much tribulation. That's just the nature of it. And if people tell you that you enter the kingdom to have, to live uh, in, in, in glory land here on earth, that this is Beulah land, that this is uh, a land of uh, milk and honey, in the sense that we don't have any trials, that we don't have any hardships, that we don't have any difficulties, they have given you a bill of sale. And that's much of what is sadly purported as the gospel out there, and it's another gospel. 
Peter says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than a gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's a purpose in, in your being converted and your being saved and your being redeemed and me. And that isn't just for our own benefit, but for the glory of God. He has a selfish stake in this. He is a jealous God and will have none to compete with him, not even you or me. And how marvelous this is when you think about it, like the hymn, Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, where, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within as well as without. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Though sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Praise God. But also, God working in his church, as it says in verse 5 of our passage, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and give grace to the humble. And while it doesn't speak here of any trouble or problems, or any altercation per se, yet it is implied, is it not? Especially when it says, for God resisteth the proud. There's pride that exists even in the church, in its leadership, in its members, at one time or another. And God has to tap that down, right? He's got to smooth the foundation. He's got to level it. And that's what he's doing because that's his job. That's his purpose again for his church. God knows that we, that we have needs because he knows that we're sinners. And so first and foremost in his agenda are not our material needs as much as our Heavenly Father knows that we have need of all these things, food and shelter and clothing, but the spiritual, the spiritual needs of the hour of our lives. And that is, of course, grace. It is the only way that a church full of sinners are going to get along. It's like it is the only way that a house full of sinners, husband and wife, parents and children, are going to get along. Right? But also in the world, God working in us as we are in the world. While we are not of the world, yet we live in the world. Verse 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He is about his church. He has us in his cross hairs. He has uh, ministers in his cross hairs. He has elders in his cross hairs. He has deacons in his cross hairs. He has members of Christ's church in his cross hairs. And don't think for one moment that he hasn't put down that weapon of his warfare against the church. Not for a moment. And we have an example of that already that I prayed for for Trinity Church. Notice, whom resists steadfast in the faith. We have to resist. It's not just a matter of praying over prayers where it begins. We must resist by having the word, by being able to confront Satan with the word, by being able to speak back the word as Christ spoke back the word in the wilderness when Satan used the very word of God against his against the one who is the author 
of that word, the living word, Jesus Christ. So how much more us? What he does is he gets at, gets at the weakest link. If he can't get the strongest link, he's going to get at the weakest link. If he can't get the head, he'll get the members. And he'll get the feeble members, the ones who are least in the kingdom, or the least brethren. That's how he works. And don't be fooled in thinking that you're going to make it. Don't be fooled that your brethren that need your prayers and need your support and need your encouragement can make it without what you and I have to give. Because God is using us. That's the point of this message. He is using us. There's no way we can do it by ourselves individually. We're not always this way, steadfast in the faith. None of us. I'm speaking from personal experience. None of us. And yet, he says in verse 7 of our passage, casting all your care upon him who cared for you. This is one of the promised verses that stands out in my life, throughout my life. Although I'm not one who's prone to anxiety, yet I have my moments. And I've had times when it, I thought I had that problem. But thanks be to God for his mercy. Nevertheless, we all suffer internally, spiritually. The word for care, asking all your care, our care, is the word for anxieties, worries, cares, as the Lord would say in, in the Gospels. Uh, take no thought for tomorrow. For your father, uh, for tomorrow, take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the, the day of the evils thereof. And careth, for he careth for you, is the Greek word to be of interest, to be concerned, to take care. You know the difference between someone caring for someone, someone being a caregiver, and one not having a caregiver? It's immense. The difference between having a child in the family who has that, let's say you have several children. But there's only one that, that just seems to have that, that gift. Means all the difference in the world for that elderly father or that elderly mother or elderly parents. Or having marry someone who's this way, if, even if you're not this way. And that, that uh, spouse, especially that wife, having that care for your parents. That no one in the house, no one in your family had. That's what we're talking about. And it starts with God caring for you and for me. But he also not only cares about how we feel internally and how we can sometimes be overwhelmed by, by distress from a man. Stress, as we would call it, right? Stress, which is the response to distress or to trouble or problems or pressures. He not only cares about how we are internally, but he cares for the quality of our work to be up to par. Does that make sense? He wants us to be useful for the master's use, prepared to get every good work. So he cares about the quality of our service. It says in Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Notice how the 
interconnected, how our inward attitude and, and, and um, how we are, you know, uh, whether we're up and, uh, and, and, and proactive because of the joy of the Lord being our strength means everything to our serving the Lord. In the spirit and in the manner that we know is honoring to him and is beneficial to others. Nothing more disturbing than to have your equanimity and peace disturbed by anxieties or worse yet by depression. But it's real. There's no denying that. That God is there. That you can cast all those upon and know that he cares for but it's very important that to get to that point where you, you do cast your cares upon him, not hold them to yourself, not keep them to yourself, not think that you can do it by yourself, that you realize who holds the world in his hands, just like our Heidelberg Catechism question will uh, il illustrates or, or depicts. And, uh, question number 26, when it asks, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who of nothing made heaven and earth, with all that in them is, who likewise upholds and governs the same by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father, in whom I so trust as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul. And further, listen to this, and further, that whatsoever evil he sends upon me in this troubled life, in another version, in, the, in this veil of tears, it truly is a veil of tears, a valley of tears, he will turn to my good. For he is able to do it, being Almighty God, and willing also, being a Maybe we're not always faithful. I know I'm not a faithful father. My son's coming here, or Ethan's coming here. We'll arrive here shortly after our service. Maybe I've not always been that. But I tell you what, God is always faithful. Don't ever believe otherwise, because that is of the Satan. That is of the evil one. Secondly, how does the Lord Jesus take care of his church? By working through you. <clears throat> through the elders is what we have before us in our passage. The presbyteros, they are called in the Greek, the older ones. And boy, do I illustrate that now more than ever. <laughs> Being an elder along with the elder wife. Uh, if Jesus is the good shepherd, what, what it means to be an elder is to be a good under-shepherd. I mean, we're under Christ. We're an understudy. Have you heard of that? We're going to always be an understudy. We're always going to be in the learning curve in our office. And deacons do. That's what makes Elder White and I under-shepherds, by the way, because we are under the great shepherd of the sheep. And what do we do according to this study? First things first, feed the flock which is among you. Feed the flock of God which he purchased with his own blood. Or 
God has a lot invested within this church. And he's not going to just turn it over to whomever. It's going to have to be those who are solid in their doctrine, like Paul, who said, for example, I have kept nothing back from you that is not profitable to your souls. Our Lord said to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep and feed my lambs. Feed them all. There's food for everyone, whatever age, whatever station in life they are. And of course, the one who is the pastor is the one who has specially prepared and studied for that as a vocation as opposed to an obligation. And thus, more is incumbent on him for that reason. But both are to, to shepherd the flock of God with the word and prayer. Those are key responsibilities. Now, some take that literally, and they, that's all they do. And then they have a separate pastor that does a visitation that, that uh, tends to the, the flock out there, or at home, or in their various conditions. And I even knew a, a pastor, all he did was preach. He didn't even do very often uh, 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 hospital visitations or uh, uh, marrying uh, couples and uh, bearing with them. He left that to others, other pastors. They're so big. And, and this is how it panned out. But you know what? There's something about it that just is not right. Because Christ did not just teach. Christ did not just pray, although he did those par excellence to the glory of, of his Father. But when he was done with that, he rolled up his sleeves and he went to work out there where the people of God were suffering, where the elect were yet to be called. He was doing the work of missions. He was doing the work of evangelism. He was not holding back whatever himself, although it burned him out. In fact, they put him on the cross, which is where he was headed anyway. Do you see the example that we have before us of the great shepherd? Oh, my. It is such a high standard. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. Thanks be God, there's a speakable gift. But somehow, he is pleased to use what we have to give to him. And he is even able to do through us greater works than what he did when he was on earth. He told his disciples that, and he tells us that. And so we're not to shortchange his plan. We're not to tell God, counsel God, and tell Christ and counsel Christ in that way what to do. I say, no, 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 no. This is what I think we should do. Oh, be far from us. That would tell the Lord. Notice that they are to oversee, oversee the flock of God. Notice taking the oversight thereof. That means exercising themselves in that job. Ponder the flock of God is what the proverb says. He says that we are to look upon the state of the flock and ponder. Just like a shepherd uh, or a, a ranch uh, hand that is assigned to uh, watch at night the uh, flock and to make sure that they're okay. Someone has to do it, right? There has to be 24-hour guardianship. That's how it works. 
<laughs> I said, whoa, that's like being on call 24-7. Yes, it is. I mean, really, if you want to think about it, that's exactly what overseeing is about. The word in the, in the Greek is episkopos, like episcopalian, and it means overseeing and leading God's people. He talks about how to become an elder. He says, not by constraint, but willingly. It's not something that you should have your arm twisted to become, right? I mean, you guys that we've approached about becoming an officer, I hope you don't feel like you did this. Because <laughs> if, that's, if that's what we did with you, that's what we're going to have to keep doing with you, you know? It should be one that is desired. Like the Bible says, he that desires the office of an elder and a deacon desires a good thing, but takes favor from the Lord. And not for filthy lucre or money, but of a ready mind. In the case of teaching elders, especially, versus ruling elders, I'm a teaching elder, and a, uh, one who isn't teaching elder is called a ruling elder. Another part is called Presbyterianism. Uh, it should not be eager to get rich. But when I smile only because in our says, he ain't gonna get rich. <laughs> That's not the denomination you want to join the rich, okay? <laughs> and they put you to work. They, they, they do double time. You don't have people assigned just to missions, for missions, and the people that are assigned to home missions. The one who's, who's, who's got a church, who's a pastor, is the one who does both if it's, if it's gonna be done. Because they want someone who has a pastor's heart out there as well as in here. You see, that's how that works. That's how they think. That's how Darcyus thinks. <laughs> uh, so it cannot be for money. How do we oversee? Next question, verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples. Not as lords. There's only one lord, like our confession says, or like uh, Ephesians 4 talks about, we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, and through all who is in you all, by Spirit. And that's Jesus Christ, who is the one Lord, right? One Kyrios, one Lord, the head of the church. And we, you and I, me too, is his heritage. Those who are assigned under his care. Yes, officers as well are sheep. We don't oversee as lords, but as under-shepherds of Christ. And that, in large measure, by example. That's really amazing. You think about how the power of the church, the authority is in the teaching, and we think, oh, let's teach, you know, and the RCS is known, not just the RCS, but the, the Reformed faith is known for the quality and the caliber of its teaching. And yet, that's not enough. That's not at all. A, a godly life, a humble spirit of a servant, like the good shepherd himself. We lead from the front like he does. The shepherd, right, leads from the front, and the sheep, what? Follow up. Not from the back like the cowboys, you know, who are riding the cattle, Trains or the cattle uh, drives, not driving from behind, but leading from the front. Those who will be chief among you must be servants of all. 
by the stronger brother again, not despising the weak brother. And the weak not judging the strong. By our kind of those who are feeble, as I said earlier, as necessary. By our saying the least esteemed brothers to judge the church. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. That's the one care of Having said all this, we need to be much on our knees in prayer. A good example is in 1 Kings 3, 9. These are the words of Solomon. servant and understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this so by so great a people? So this was his prayer, and this is our prayer for ourselves. So we need prayer as well as you. And then in 1 Kings 4.29, we see the answer. God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, exceeding much, even as the sand that is on the seashore. See how God answers? So it is possible. With all the things, of course, Christ. With all things, it is possible because God is behind it. And so the Lord Jesus takes care of his church working in us and through us. And also the younger, and I'll finish with this, uh, back in our passage, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. There's a, a, an order, right? God's order. And that's not easy to always follow, especially when you're starting out, but that's where everyone starts out, at the bottom. And ultimately, we must all submit to each other as it goes on to say, by they all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. We must put it on, just like we put on the righteousness of Christ by faith. Especially when someone wrongs you and uh, must be corrected. To be able to take that if you're on the erring end, to receive that and not want uh, and, and, and then you who are on the erred and not wanting to dish it back, but instead submitting one to another with the grace of God. It's like at classes when we meet. Uh, the brothers there, they are ferocious on the classes and synod floor, let me tell you. They are at, seemingly at one another's throat, optimally, but then afterwards we retire uh, for the day or, or even go to lunch or a break time, we're still good friends. And that's how it should be. So that's where we're at. That's called brotherly submission. And that's why I'm thankful for being in our denomination and even being in this congregation. And eventually, we all grow into the stature and the fullness of Christ. And so Jesus takes care of his church. It's really true. The world does not care much about how much we know about how much we care. 
And I'll add one more thing. They will not know how much Jesus cares for his church until they know how much you and I care for Jesus' church, for one another. They will know that we are disciples by the love we have one for another. And then also by our care for them. And they will expect that. And they will come to church because of that. And that is biblical Christianity. So in conclusion, thank the Lord Jesus for taking care of his church. All of us from the pastor to elder to deacon, which we don't have at this present time on down, we need to be the best caregivers and caretakers that we can be for Christ's church. And in this way, Jesus takes care of his church. And we know, in the case of our Lord, when he gave up his life for our sins, how much he cares for us. And so we can't afford to forgive one another when uh, we need to and not complain, not, not complain. You know, uh, one thing I'm thankful for is uh, those who are a good example of that. But I tend to complain, although you may not hear it. And I'm just thankful for those of you who are a good example of that very thing and who are forgiving of God's people and of others. So that's where we're at. And uh, so keep seasoning your ministry and your service with much prayer and love. That's all I'll say. And in this way, the church will receive the best care possible. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for our study. We ask that your Holy Spirit would indeed make this something that will be of benefit in our lives, individually, in his families, but in your church as a whole. In Jesus' name.